Hello, and welcome to Barbatos Catholic Podcast, the show where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo, Ivan, and Walter, and today we are going to talk about being Mexican, life and death, darkness and light. But first, a word from our sponsor. How can you teach your children to live their Catholic faith beyond the walls of your parish? One way is to engage your family's values in a Catholic healthcare option like CMF Curo. CMF Curo is an affordable Catholic healthcare ministry that's perfect for growing families and that's rooted in church teachings. CMF Curo members share medical burdens in community, have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, health and spiritual resources, and more. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthcare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthcare.com. And welcome back. We missed you. Do not act like you didn't miss us because <laughs> we know you did. Who doesn't miss us? Who doesn't? I, mean, I know. On. Probably our wives. Is we're away them. from them, yeah, yes. and they have all the kids. Well, <laughs> yeah, I work working from home. It was like one of the advantages can just pop in, but yeah, I guess you're going to the office, right, Ivan? Mm -hmm. just, no, I'm working, still working from home. Still working, from yeah. Home. I like now I have a hybrid situation where I go, I go um, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So those days, I'm like, I really miss you guys. Um, but anyways, welcome back. This is. Season two of Barbatos Catholic Podcast. Who would have thought that we would be here? Not me. I didn't. We need to put that video of, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from, from, he's in a lot of things. Oh, Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd. Who would have thought? Who would have Not thought? Not me. Not me. Exactly. <laughs> Season two, episode one. Um, we are um, coming to you from St. John of Arc in Phoenix. Uh, we want to say thank you and a shout out to Father... Dan Keneally and Deacon Andy Lambros that um, give us, us up. Yeah, they hook mm -hmm. us up with the, with the room because the garage is super hot right now. Um, so we are inside of a climate control room and it feels good to be here. Do you think you can like bake some bread inside of a garage? <laughs> oh, probably. Most likely. You yes. can at least. Cookies at least. Well, you can at least rise the dough really nicely, right? In yeah. Garage. It would. It would. Look, it would rise like crazy. It's super, super fast. Like if you're trying to get your sourdough starter to get really active and you put it in your garage, like whatever happens in 24 hours, you can accelerate it in like eight or So less. bakers, move to Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, sometimes that's a blessing and a curse. Like mm -hmm. I was trying to make croissants in June of last year. And because there's like layers of butter and, butter and, dough. and dough, it doesn't work. because mm -hmm. has to be cold, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cold pressed. Yeah, croissant bakers don't move to Phoenix. Well, this your room has to be like super cold. <laughs> Anyways, we're getting so our, our garage <laughs> opens literally right into our dining room. So there's uh -huh. no like little room between the garage and our actual living mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. And it's so hot when you just oh. open it and you just get like a in your face. And It, literally, I think the, the the dining room goes up like a couple of degrees every time we throw the recycling out. <laughs> it's grossero. 
Yeah. It's, it's very, really very, bad. It's like you have to time it. Like we can only throw away the yeah, trash exactly. early in the morning. Or very late at night. Yeah. If it's yeah. 3 p.m., nobody goes to throw the trash. <laughs> but like yesterday, I'd rather have the house smell. <laughs> it was like midnight and it was still like 104. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Which again, like, unless you're like outside for some reason, it really doesn't affect you, right? Yeah. Unless you're like me that one summer where our AC died and we're like oh my god that's do like you know where i don't get people people play golf right now yeah because it's, it's cheaper cheap. it's cheaper but that tells you how cheap people are no i'm kidding but i mean <laughs> i'm always chopping for a bargain even though i don't golf <laughs> i always hear that people go golfing for like four or five hours mm-hmm. i can't imagine being four or five hours outside on outside. purpose and then doing physical activity yes well, well i'm terrible at golf i've never been golfing yeah me either i've been to what's it called um Mini golf, mini golf, and no, uh, what's the other one? The the one at top uh, golf, top like golf. The rain. It's pretty fun, mm. but I'm terrible at it. I would, I think, if I would go to either one, I would do the Happy Gilmore thing just to get it out of my. <laughs> I system. tried it, and it's not <laughs> it easy, work. right? Nope. <laughs> That's a movie that I need to watch. I haven't watched it. That's a must. I just did know it, that it's Adam Sandler. Did it age and, well, though? No. You know, um, it age well. There is a lot of movies right now. Like, uh, what was the movie that Deanna and I were watching? That we were like, that would not fly. We were watching music and lyrics with Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant. Well, that's that's your first problem right there. Well, you're watching think- a movie with Hugh Grant, so dude, Hugh Grant <laughs> is a national treasure in the UK, probably. But uh, it's a it's a rom com, dude. Uh, don't don't judge. Anyways. Uh, the only one that I couldn't remember, I enjoyed. Not like I watched like Hugh Grant's library of movies. I, I didn't, but like nine months. Nine months? Yeah. And that oh, was like, I, I think I watched it once. I don't think I've seen it. And I enjoyed it. But I don't, I, I can't. The one Hugh Grant movie that I haven't watched. Yeah. And I can't count in one hand Hugh Grant movies. Maybe I've seen him, but. He's really good in Love Actually. Love Actually. There you go. That's the second one. And that's it. There's two actors that are named Hugh, right? In, um, in Hugh the world. Grant, you know, Hugh Laurie. I'm the, that's, yeah. that's the other one that I was. Dr. I always, House. Get, yeah, I'm the, House. I always mm-hmm. get them confused. Yeah. Uh, I always like. Yeah. So I thought when you said Hugh Grant, I was mm-hmm. thinking of the guy from the doctor from that show, no, but Hugh that's Grant. not him, right? No, that's the other Hugh Laurie. Well, speaking that's of movies, um, that is a great. That's segue. a great segue. Yeah. Hugh Jackman. Uh, sorry, Hugh, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> He's Wolverine. This episode, we're going to talk about actors that are named Hugh. I hope you forgive us. It's going to be Hugh. <laughs> Thank you. That was it for season Thank two. You. That's our high point. Oh, good luck. Boy. There's and no going up from yeah. here. Please don't hate it's us. just downhill. Um, okay, so movies. We're, we're going to talk about a, a, um, a movie director. His name is Guillermo del Toro, and originally from Mexico. And um, I was um, watching a um, an interview um, after he won the best director in 2018 for the for the Golden Globes, I think. The Shape of Water, right? Something like that. For the Shape of Water, yes, mm-hmm. el monstruo. Uh, so Julia Pierpont of China's uh, Xinhua News Agency asked him. Um, you really understand and have an extraordinary ability to look into the shadow side, into the darker 
side of human nature and fantasy and terror, but you are also really joyful and a really joyful and loving person. How do you find that balance? And Guillermo del Toro's response was, I'm Mexican. <laughs> um, no one loves life more than we do in a way because we are so conscious about death. So the preciousness of life standing side to side to the one place we're all going through. Um, then he goes on with some example about uh, everybody in this planet has boarded a train that its final destination is death. So that in the train, we are going to live, we are going to have beauty and love and freedom. And I think that when you eliminate one of the two sides of the equation, um, it's a pamphlet. And when you take into account the dark to tell the light, it's reality. So I shared this video with Ivan and, and Gustavo, and I was like, we need to talk about this because um, there is a lot to unpack from, from that um, um, little sliver of an interview, you know? So do you guys want to do like wh what you thought about it when, when I send it to you first, sure. and then we can go into like me nerding out mm -hmm. about the uh, <laughs> historical points of where, where all of this comes from. Sure. Just, just for reference, if, if you guys are not familiar with this director in particular, Guillermo del Toro, he directed movies like, um, again, shape of water and, um, Pan's Labyrinth, which is one of my favorites from him. The Devil's Backbone. The Devil's Backbone is like crazy good. Yeah, That's it's, when it's I first underrated. noticed that Mexican cinema had potential. Mm -hmm. I was in college and I remember because I was in this like film class that we had to take uh, for, for our, that semester. And this one guy was saying, this director is great. You should check him out, blah, blah, blah. He was like a film buff. And I remember seeing the trailer. I'm like, this, because in my mind, Mexican movies always were Lola La Trailera and Mario Almada. And, <laughs> and, and then if you go back further, like Cantinflas and, well, yeah. and you know, but and like black have, and white. You and have stuff like, like the, the 50s, which was like Pedro the Infante. golden. Yeah era of mexican cinema but then the 70s 80s is like it's went so to the bad toilet it's so bad everything was like cine de ficheras yeah exactly very horrible very very bad content for any age mm -hmm. very inappropriate and that's what i related like Mexi mexican movies too mm -hmm. you know what i mean so when i first saw that trailer i was like wow somebody like bought a real camera <laughs> devil's backbone is el espinazo del diablo, yep. el espinazo del diablo. Mm -hmm. okay yeah so i mean i'm sorry i didn't want to go on a tangent but Maybe people aren't familiar with like no, Guillermo del Toro as a name, so maybe like naming some movies will be like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. So that was it. Well, especially because he started directing in Mexico, but then he Correct. crossed over to to yeah. Hollywood. His, his most commercial ones, I think, were like Hellboy, Hellboy, mm -hmm. you know, Dude. one and, and Pacific two. Rim or the Pacific most Rim. Ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Hellboy movies are oh, they're so good. good. He's really good. You know, I've never been into comics like a whole lot, but. Because he's like Mexicano, I gave him obviously the benefit of the doubt, and I watched like Hellboy movies. And I'm like, this is surprisingly enjoyable for somebody that doesn't like comics. I didn't know Hellboy or his story or whatever. Mm -hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it, you know. And I was looking forward when number two came out, and I didn't like it that much. But mm -hmm. 
it still holds up, I think. Yeah. It's one of the things that makes you proud to see uh, mm -hmm. other Mexicans uh, being successful in the world scenario or... La farándula. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, right? yeah. So, um, but anyways, we like how does this tie into the, the the main themes of the podcast? Because you're like, okay, you're you're listening to to a Catholic podcast where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. Um, well, um, I wanted uh, to dive into a little bit of the um, pre-Hispanic context of um, like how Mexicans seem to be very okay with death. And, uh, and this was part of like my own education because I, I feel like growing up, it's like something that it's, we're very familiar with um, to, to be around like images of skulls and La Catrina, uh, which mm -hmm. we'll get to it in a minute. Um, it, it's just part of the culture and you don't question its origins. So I did some digging and around just to get like the context around the year 1427, the Aztec empire was formed and um, they basically sub uh, they, they gained land from other tribes in the central part of Mexico and, and they worship uh, this goddess called Mixteca, Mixtecasihuatl. Try to say it three times fast. <laughs> goddess of death and the underworld. And they celebrated her for about 20 days from late July to early August. So those were like the, the festivities of, um, of this goddess. And part of the rituals uh, consisted of burying their loved ones with food and precious objects. Like this is not new to the Aztecs. It's like something that the Egyptians did as well. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of this like, They're going to need this in their other life. But this was more of like appeasing the goddess of death by doing these offerings. It's like your version of the two coins, right? On the, on the eyes for the. Yeah. 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 For Definitely. the boat paddler or something. I don't know. I'm butchering it. But that was it. That's the, I know essentially the, yeah. it, it, you're preparing them for the afterlife for that journey. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. So then in uh, cut to 1519 when Spain conquered Mexico. So with, with the Spanish came Franciscan friars that started working on converting Mexicans to Catholicism. So then you have Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, that appeared to uh, Juan Diego in 1531. And, and then the blending of like the pre-Hispanic beliefs in the Catholic culture began. And then as a compromise of the blending, you have indigenous practicing practices of honoring the dead um, moving to all hallowed tide which is um, all saints eve all saints day and all souls day that's why it's like mm -hmm. huge in mexico to celebrate uh, dia de muertos and and i did not know that this came from like the blending of pre-hispanic culture with like the baptizing of those <laughs> Uh, celebrations into like um, Catholicism or Christianity. Um, you have things like the marigolds, the sugar skulls, um, the pony calaveras that you write as a jest to tell how La Catrina, which is uh, pretty much the Green Reaper, is going to take so and so to the graveyard. Um, they remain as a part of the um, indigenous heritage. 
Um, those were things that, that people were doing prior to the, the Spanish conquering Mexico. And, um, and those are the, the, I find it funny that on November 2nd, I don't know if did you guys ever get like a, a sugar skull with your name on it as a treat for Dia de Muertos? We, we, we didn't, um, I mean, we we celebrated Dia de los Muertos, but it wasn't. We wouldn't go big with, mm. at least my family, we didn't. We wouldn't go big with like the sugar skulls and. Okay, pan de muerto, mm -hmm. pan de muerto, pan de muerto. Muerto, muerto. I believe yes, pero not the, okay, not the sugar skulls. I think my parents tried like maybe one or two years to give us um, candy skulls instead of celebrating Halloween mm. um, as a way to dissuade us. But you know, when you go. Asking for candy door to door, mm -hmm. you the, like the bounty is, is bigger. So mm -hmm. also Monterrey is very Americanized. In Sugar that way. skull Twix. Sugar I know. Skull sneakers. They, they they have chocolate uh, skulls, dude. It's well, yeah, they had to. They were competing against Snickers. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> Can you imagine a Snickers, <laughs> a Snickers uh, skull? It's like dude, yeah, solid with pulp. like with like Reese's eyes. I am there. I'm totally there. Uh, Mars, if you're New listening, we're like New giving you an idea. Yeah. People from Mars and Hershey's come to us. We have plenty of ideas. Um, so uh, the idea, we, we talked about La, La Catrina, which is um, a character, um, which is basically, Catrina means like dapper skeleton or elegant skull. And um, it became like the icon of Dia de Muertos around like 1910, which is around the time of the Mexican Revolution. And um, and, and this was an original uh, cartoon illustration from the newspaper that um, it was created by this gentleman whose name is Jose Guadalupe Posada. But then Diego Rivera, um, who's one of the most important muralists in Mexico, um, he painted this mural called Sueño de una tarde dominical en la Alameda Central, which means dream of uh, Sunday afternoon in the central plaza. How do you yeah, translate? Courtyard or what? Courtyard. Mm -hmm. uh, around 1946. And the central piece of the mural is the elegant skull, La Catrina. Um, so it is very ingrained or like grafted in, in, in the Mexican culture. And that's kind of like where it comes from. So after we set the stage for this, this festive act, aspect of Dia de Muertos and how comfortable we are with death um, to the point that we mock death and, and we include it in art and culture. Um, then jumping from there to, to the Catholic side. Let me, before you get to the Catholic side, I remember okay. when it, it's weird because here, if you look at like horror movies, right? Mm -hmm. Every horror movie is set like in a, not every, but a lot of horror movies or Halloween movies or whatever are set in a graveyard setting. That would yeah. be terrifying for a kid to be in the dark in a graveyard. Kids, we run around the grave site, not the graves, because that is very disrespectful. <laughs> or, or the ones you, I mean, my parents always taught us, you know, never step yeah. on the graves. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be respectful of other people's of family members. But, but yeah, we would go and as part of youth group, you know, that was the opportunity. We treated it as a fundraiser because the, the cemeteries were packed mm -hmm. for that week. And um, 
So it's just that like juxtaposition of like how comfortable kids in Mexico are with just being around a cemetery, a cemetery yeah. as opposed to here. It's just like you would traumatize a kid if you go and leave him in the cemetery for a couple of days, you know? Yeah. We have mariachis in our cemetery. Yeah. That helps <laughs> enliven the mood a little bit. Um, Food mariachis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like a whole economy, dude. Mm-hmm. It is. The, the flower vendors. And the cobijeros. The cobijeros. <laughs> Y le pongo otra. Yeah, y, y le, si le da la otra, le das más. <laughs> and then so the, the yeah, it, it just becomes a, a festival of sorts. Yeah. Because it's still, in Nogales, when we, last time we went, I mean, it was like years ago, but it's, we always look forward to it. When we lived there and we, it was just like crossing the border and we would there, be there, it would, we wouldn't miss it every year because you get to really experience, um, Great food for one, right? Yeah. Which is amazing street because food. street food, but you get, as a northern state, we would get all of these vendors from the south because all of these cobijeros and all these people that that sell the, the me- you, Mexican artifacts. Ex- explain what a cobijero is. So a cobijero is somebody that sells uh, comforters, essentially, with like different patterns or it's different the, team logos. You know, or, there's, there's this famous brand called San Marcos. Mm-hmm. Saint Saint Mark, yeah, and uh, they usually have lions or horses <laughs> or tigers, tigers. Really ferocious most- people, and I'm and not people. Really ferocious animals to keep your kids in bed, <laughs> to keep them warm in winter and terrified. Like, Dude, there's so many memes about that. Yeah, about the Mexicans. Mm-hmm. It's like the Mexican starter pack. I know, but dude, like that was our. Uh, we didn't have heating in uh, in my home in in Monterrey, but like we had San Marcos. Oh yeah, cobijas and um, two, three of them. Used, used They're good. Like, so my you, gra- you my, went to the bathroom, you were done. Yeah. So my grandma used to. Um, she would have benefited a lot from a weighted blanket because she would say, "Echame otra, mijito. Echame otra." <laughs> just throw another one on top. She would sleep with four of these things on. I don't know how she wouldn't suffocate at night just just from the sheer weight of it. Dude, I think They're that's super why I heavy. slept so well when I was a kid. I had like, you know, four or five pounds of blankets on. It's crazy, but it, it does make a difference. And, and my grandma, I would be like, mom, is this safe? These things are like five pounds each. We can't even see her. <laughs> <laughs> no ves que se está levantando. <laughs> Yeah, just just to make sure that the breathing Abue, is going on. ¿Está respirando? Sí. Está dormida. Déjame dormir. Chale otra. That is very funny. Sorry, I didn't want it to derail, no, 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 but no, I, I think, think that... You know, one thing that I noticed is like when we would go, it's like when you said like people from the south of Mexico would go to like Sonora to, mm-hmm. to do that. Um, I think this Dia de Muertos is like bigger in the central south part uh, of Mexico, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, the Aztecs were more like in the area of Mexico City and those states uh, going to the south. And in the north part of Mexico, um, they were all like nomad tribes that didn't have like that connection to to the Aztecs per se. Um, so it is always like very um, interesting to see how different people in Mexico live, Dia de Muertos and some of them like really go overboard with like um, parades and, and things like that. 
Um, not to say that it's good or bad. It's just saying like how they live it differently. Like Jerez, Zacatecas, I think that they, they do practice it or they do things like a little bit bigger than what like Monterrey or Hermosillo would, would do. You know what? I don't remember going to a Dia de los Muertos celebration in Jerez. I don't know if because my my parents didn't want to take us or they don't have it. Okay. I don't know. I, I should probably find out. But I, I've talked about Sábado de Gloria. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, why, that's, that's why. Yeah, that's, so you would think that, yeah. oh, okay, if we do that, we probably do. So I don't know. I can find out, though. That'd be fun. But, uh, yeah. Road trip. Road I know. Trip. Yeah, dude. Um, going to Oaxaca or some of those. Uh, I, I I need to find like a, video, a good video of like the, the parades that they do. And um, the Festival of the Marigolds is uh, one of the other things that happens during that weekend. Um, but, um, okay. So, so you have that aspect of like, uh, Dia de Muertos and how comfortable we are, we are with death. Um, so how do, how did it get baptized? Um, or how do we make a connection for uh, us as Catholics, you who are listening? Um, so I, I, I came across this concept of, uh, memento mori, um, remember, Death, right? Is that what it means? Mm-hmm. Um, which, um, if you think about it, it, in a way, is what Del Toro is talking about with the train image that he, he's trying to, to paint. Um, we, we are painfully aware of our mortality, which prompts us to make the best of things while we are alive. And, okay, yes, um, we, we know that we are going to die and, and you know, that our at least my grandma would have these sayings to to say like you know nos vamos a morir they're all very aware we're gonna die like not to say like in a fatalistic way but in a very matter of fact way like correct we are all going to the grave mm-hmm. um and you can approach that uh two ways either you can if if you know if you don't believe you're not a believer and say this is this is it um yolo exactly right it, it it that's one way that people can live their lives it's like this is this is all that it is i'm going to um focus primarily in my life to um uh, pleasure mm-hmm. to enjoy things to have good drink good food to be happy to be to happy. Make myself happy and yeah mm-hmm. well what i think is going to make me happy mm-hmm. um but um, memento mori is it's okay. Yes, it's like an awareness of of what is going to happen to us and why death entered the the world with with the fall. But um, that awareness is to make us prepared for what comes after death, which is hopefully. Um, living in eternity with God in heaven. So that that full scope um, of the light and darkness of life and death can can help us in a way just try to live fully, uh, fully in, in the way that that the Catholic Church um, describes to, to live a um, create we are created for greatness like mm-hmm. Pope Emeritus. Benedict the 16th said. 
if we if we go a step further in uh, further into blending the the cultures and and, and we take a, a look at for example Saint Paul in Philippians 121 he says uh, for to me life is Christ and death is gain because we know that death is is the passage passage to eternal life with God um so the, how do we how do we take it to like okay now we know this like how do we what do we do after that once you're like painfully aware of um where you're going and then that you know that death is just like the door to the next thing mm -hmm. no i'm asking you like oh you're asking <laughs> oh it's a uh... I don't know, man, it's one of those concepts that you hear and it's very trippy. You know, I remember one of my sister's good friends that I grew up with, the, they lost their father. And um, it was, and he was a great man, super awesome. And they had his funeral mass here. And I mean, granted, he had four girls and, you know, the girls were, I mean, they were a mess. You know, they, I think they grew up Catholic. I don't know if they practice their faith, but I mean, you know, just knowing that their father had passed and, and, uh, and I remember that I sang the Psalm at their, at his funeral. And then afterwards we went to the, to the cemetery and Father Klein, shout out to Father Klein. Um, Father Klein did the, the mass and he went to the cemetery as well. So after he did the prayers and, you know, they were still, you know, before they lowered him down. I mean, the, I mean, the girls were just, you know, I felt for them, you know, because they just lost their father. But I remember Father Klein coming over and he was talking to me. He's like, and he saw how sad they were. And he was saying, man, like, if only they knew that his journey and where he's going next, like, it's a beautiful thing. You know, like, he's like this, like, yes, his body is dying, but like his next life is it's going to be so much better than what it is now, you know? And it's cool to think that like, as is not just as Hispanics, but as human beings, like we, we look at this thing as death and it, it can be kind of scary. Like I don't, I don't talk about death with Nayeli because she doesn't like to talk about it. Mm. She's like, mm -mm. I don't want to talk about it. Like she can't, you know, the fact that she's not in this world anymore, mm -hmm. it just, it's something very, it's something very scary for her. Mm -hmm. So we never talk about it. Um, but you know, like now that I'm a father, I'm like, I, I think about these things more and I'm like, man, like there's so many things that I want to do and so many things that I want to teach my, my family. And that like, if I were to go, like when the Lord calls me, like, I just want to be ready, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's key. Um, you, you need to you you don't have tomorrow guaranteed. exactly exactly yeah. no no still right yeah. um, that's that's what I attributed to with memento mori it's the preparedness for that inevitable in that unavoidable end whether it's tomorrow whether it's fifty years from now wherever you are like the train thing right train's mm -hmm. gonna come to a stop. And everybody's got to get off because it's going to go pick up more passengers. Mm -hmm. So the thought of 
the memento mori it's it's that uh constant reminder of what state is your soul in you know yeah. because yeah the body's gonna it's gonna stay is your soul gonna go forward where is it gonna go you know and as catholics we believe that if we are prepared and we're lucky enough to be uh, received in the pearly gates that's awesome yeah my best bet you know? is to land in purgatory and that's it i'm shooting for purgatory mm -hmm. same you know i'm shooting for purgatory because at least you know at least i know that eventually i may get in thousands hundreds of thousands or whatever it takes but to the for us the alternative to that is not great. you don't want that yeah you know so memento mori is that constant reminder of like checking yourself you know not just be good so you don't go to hell but as fathers and as husbands how are we making sure that our kids children's souls that our wife all of all of the people you know how how are we going to get them into heaven and how are we going to get ourselves into heaven because that's our responsibility that's our responsibility as fathers yeah you know we we are we are the stewards of those souls for, uh, for god because they don't belong to us they belong to god they're a gift to us but eventually we're gonna we're, we're gonna to we're gonna have to yeah we're gonna have to answer for that right so the so that that's the the image that comes to my head am i ready <laughs> Will I be let in? Mm. Yeah. Based on what I did today, would I be let in? Um, <laughs> exactly. A train hits me right now. Here we go with the train again. <laughs> you know, what What would happen? Do not walk on the train tracks is the yeah. takeaway from Yeah, exactly. This is the moral of this episode. Have you guys watched um, Defending Your Life? No. Oh, that's such a good movie. It's, um, it's kind of like Under the Radar. Okay. But it's I forget the 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 actor's name. Albert Brooks, which is the voice of uh is he related to Mel? Nemo. Marlin. Yeah, Marlin. Mm -hmm. So he's he's the voice of the of the dad of Nemo. It's, he's he's not a voice talent, it's like him. It's it's a movie. Acting. It's him and Meryl Streep. And huh. just basic the the premise of the movie is that he dies and he goes like to this place, you know, it's not it's not heaven and it's not hell. It's it's like It looks like Los Angeles, you know, for the viewer. But everybody's walking so around. So it's hell. <laughs> everybody's walking around in white robes and everything. And and all that it is is like uh, uh, judging, you know. that's mm -hmm. they, they sit you down and there's three judges for, for everybody. And they're like going through your life like on video. You know, you're, you're sitting in front of a like a let's check the tape it's exactly it's and like a good place i, I haven't watched, watched it place? no but that's that's what it is you know and you're just like reviewing your life that's a show right yes it's a very good show i won't i won't spoil it but you guys should watch it just saying did it get canceled or still going i think it ended after four seasons ah. mm -hmm. but it's very good the, uh, she cannot curse right in the good place no so she says like what the fork <laughs> and things like that i do remember I think Deanna started watching. And I'm like, this is dumb. What is forking? I think happening I watch. Here? I watched like the first two episodes, and I couldn't get into it. Yeah, it's fun. Um, also, wait, am I the only one that thinks of when I die, and hopefully I go to heaven? 
that I'm going to die in this body, gordito, all that. But then when I get to heaven, and then, glorified and in the glorified body, am I going to have a six pack? In your glorified body? Yeah. Was that being guapote? Yes, that's being guapote. Thank you. But even more? Se puede. Shh. I don't know. Am I, the only one like, that, am I the only one that thinks of these stupid things? No, this is like, you know what? Diana has like this image that when she gets to heaven, um, God is going to put her like in a baby carrier, like <laughs> on on his chest. And it's like, I'm going to show you around. This is St. Therese. This is Padre Pio. This is, um, but anyways, I, I wanted to touch on something that Gustavo said earlier about, um, you know, the options, right? Of, of like, we know that our, our soul can either go two places or three places, but purgatory with hopes to go to heaven after the soul is completely purified and being able to, to enter. I was teaching catechism for third graders, I don't know how many years ago, um, the only time that I did it. And it seemed to be that there was more of a fear of uh, they they wanted to follow God's will out of fear of not going to hell instead of love of God, and that's what I was trying to like bring home every single class uh -huh. almost to say yeah. like okay guys yes the idea of hell is like not great. Uh, but the intention of what you're doing is you're not doing it because you don't want to end up in hell. Like we're doing this business mm -hmm. because we love God and we want to reciprocate the love that he has for us. And by doing so, um, we get this. It, it's a gift. We don't mm -hmm. earn it. Mm -hmm. And that was like, like you said, Ivan, it's pretty trippy because you're like, okay, it, it sounds like a rat race, right? Because there's no way to earn it and say like I did all these five things in my life. I check all the check boxes. I'm for sure going to heaven. Um, it doesn't work that way. It's complete gift. Mm -hmm. um, we can have certainty of, of um, someone going to heaven, say if like they got um, last rites um, before they, they passed. Um, but never like a hundred percent certainty, which is what the church would call a mystery, right? We mm -hmm. have a bunch of mysteries around, um, our faith, um, which is very trippy. And I think for the mind of a third grader it's even way more difficult to wrap their mind around. Um, I mean, I am almost 38 and I'm still like, yeah, yeah. Because you, you just can't fathom it. You know, Ivan, you, you're talking about, am I going to have this body? Am I going to have that? You know, or it's like, am I going to know Nayeli up there? Or are we going to still be married? Or are we going to be this or well, that? We're not going to be Cor married. Correct. You know, but people have these thoughts. That's yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. You know, people have um, interpretations of what that will be like. Have you guys seen this like illustration that goes around? And like, I've seen it on Instagram a couple of times of, of this woman like hugging jesus and like with a with a scream of happiness in her face and you don't see jesus because she's covering him with her arms but you notice that it's jesus mm -hmm. and at the in the caption it says i can't wait till this happens mm. man that that made my 
it gave me goosebumps the first time that I saw it because then you really visualize it. It's like, that would be incredible just to imagine it. And, and, and to have that um, frame of mind. I think that's worth, again, bringing it back to what Guillermo del Toro said, saying, you know why we're very aware of it. You know, we're, we're joyful, but we're also very aware of our own mortality. Mm-hmm. And, and Mexicans in particular have that trait which I think it's, it's pretty cool. You know, I'm, I'm proudly Mexicano in that sense that I'm like, yes, I, I grew up with this. I, I lived it. I really appreciate the culture and, and what it brings to it and how it just, I just would hope more people would be a little bit more aware to the actual significance of it and not just the elotes with Chile, you know what I mean? But elotes with Chile is but a big part. It's a big part, I'm not gonna lie. Or like the- One of my favorite things about life. The chanclas. <laughs> oh man wait I just know huaraches huaraches yeah. I'm sorry chanclas chanclas is what your mom used yeah. to beat you up huaraches <laughs> um, see so we for, for whatever reason we, we always we end always up end talking up about food, food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing Which, wrong with that no. nothing wrong with that <laughs> it's a beautiful thing it is a beautiful thing um, and you know what else is a beautiful thing the fact that we didn't mention that now we are in YouTube I now there you go mm. so um Check us out. We are um, well at the at the day of recording. We recorded this. We're prepping uh, uh, the finishing touches for putting all of season one episodes in YouTube. But starting um, with season season two, um, we will be in all of the platforms that we already are at the moment where you um, can check us out with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and all that Spotify. stuff. But now you are able to um, to listen to the podcast on YouTube. So It's just the audio version only. The though, audio so. version. You will not see us. Maybe at some point we will do mm-hmm. some, some videos um, where um, Ivan will be able to showcase what he learned in film school. Um, <laughs> like Guillermo del Toro. Like Guillermo del mm-hmm. Toro. But please, uh, Barbatos Catholic Podcast on YouTube, go subscribe and um, smash that like button. Yeah, check us out. All the things that YouTubers say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> smash that like button. <laughs> smash it. <laughs> what does the bell do when like the notifications like well, when, when we post a new video like it, it gets push mm-hmm. notifications mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. do that too tell your friends um yeah bring a friend bring a friend everybody bring or bring three or three um well i think that's a good place to end it and um we we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the, the first episode of the second season of our Pathos catholic podcast the show where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. Uh, if you like the show, please consider subscribing to the podcast, uh, sharing it on social media, leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and recommending it to your friends and family. And if you didn't like it, well, just keep it to yourself and let others make their own mistakes. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Barbatos Catholic Podcast. Send us an email at hello at Barbatos Catholic Podcast.com. On the web, we are at barbatoscatholicpodcast.com, where you'll find the show notes for this episode and more. And memento mori. Think about where you want to um, end up uh, after you finish with this life. And bless Salonis Casey. Pray Pray for us. Until the next time.